Hi, I'm Andy Kindler, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Are you enjoying it? I certainly hope so. I'm P.F. This is my tape reporter. Coming up, comedian Josh Wolf talks about writing for sitcoms. When you write a script for TV, and anytime you see, you see written by, the original script was written by that person. But if by the time you shoot that script, you still have five jokes in the entire script that were in the original script, you've done a good job. We'll hear more from Josh in just a little bit. It's another episode of Crime Song Investigation. Me and Fangirl check out two cases of song thievery. We'll also help out our friends Andy Hawk and the train wreck endings as they enter the Fiat Brand Prix. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Twitter made its debut as a publicly traded company on Thursday, setting its initial share price at $26 before watching it surge to over $45. It closed the day at $44.90, up 73%. So if you bought it at the opening price, you made a tidy sum. <laughs> Except you couldn't buy it at the opening price. Uh, unless you had hundreds of millions of dollars to invest. And yeah, I mean, basically, the people who got to buy at that price are people who participate in new IPOs all the time. And that meant that retail investors, people like you or me who might be fans of the company or interested in buying the stock, really didn't get a chance to buy anything until shares started trading basically at $45 a share this morning. That's from NPR's All Things Considered. And I love how NPR is okay with this, because listen to this other part of the clip. So I would be out of luck. And, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, you would be out of luck. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's it. So you see, they offered the stock at $26. It went up to 46 but you couldn't buy it unless you were a big Wall Street investment house. So uh, you, you scamps, you rabscalians, you and your millions of dollars that you already had, and you're now you're jacked up Twitter price. Get out of here. Millions of Americans are getting their health insurance canceled under the Affordable Care Act, and the Obama administration has known for about three years that this would happen, NBC News reported this week. And this fact is not in dispute, leading many to accuse the president of lying, which it appears he did. Not satisfied with that revelation, though, the right seemed to take it even further. I think Obama's lie about keeping your insurance may be the biggest lie ever told by a sitting president. Are you sure about that? Because I think I can think of one that was way worse. Saddam Hussein has gone to elaborate lengths, spent enormous sums, taken great risks to build and keep weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein is determined to get his hands on a nuclear bomb. Nuclear weapon. Nuclear weapon. Nuclear weapon. Active chemical munitions bunkers, mobile production facilities. We know he's got chemical weapons. He's got him. He's got him. He's got him. Federal officials say there is no island of debris from the 2011 Japanese tsunami floating toward the United States. Some media reports have warned of a Texas-sized island of wreckage based on a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration map of tsunami debris. But NOAA Marine Debris Chief Nancy Wallace says that's not true. She did add that the NOAA wanted to stay privately connected with its Facebook friends and outlined a series of steps for the page's likers to follow. 
Walmart is defending its decision not to fulfill orders from Wednesday's website glitch that led to discounts of hundreds of dollars. On Wednesday night, Walmart said it resolved an issue that was causing an online frenzy among shoppers. An apparent glitch on the company's website that morning led to 885 listings for items that included computer monitors and projectors. Another glitch caused hourly associates to be paid less than $10 an hour, but Walmart pointed out that that was really no glitch. Wednesday's X Factor show, which was supposed to be the first publicly voted episode of Season 3, didn't matter. Due to a glitch when the wrong contestants' voting numbers were shown on screen, Wednesday's votes were scrapped, and all 13 contestants had to sing again on Thursday on what should have been the show's results show. On Thursday morning, GOP lawmakers led by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas insisted that X Factor be scrapped and a better show be found. CNBC's Jim Cramer explained what was behind the European Central Bank rate cut and what that means to the markets here. He also looked at the Twitter IPO and how the stock may respond in its first few days of public offering. Kind of like letting the captain of the Titanic tell you how to avoid icebergs. The CIA is paying AT&T more than $10 million per year to gain limited access to the company's vast database of phone records, according to a report published Thursday in the New York Times. The ACLU at first planned to file a lawsuit before realizing the CIA would have difficulty getting the data over AT&T's network. And finally, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford has admitted to smoking crack cocaine in a drunken stupor despite denying that he had taken the drug. Mr. Ford told reporters at City Hall he had taken the drug about a year ago but was not an addict. The mayor also rejected calls for his resignation after the revelation that a video apparently showing him smoking crack was in police possession. He defied calls to quit, vowing to run for re-election next year. Yes, I have smoked crack cocaine, Mr. Ford said outside of the office on Tuesday. There have been times when I may have done so in a drunken stupor. Ford apparently taking the Rodney Dangerfield defense. I tried marijuana once too, just once, that's all. I didn't know what I was doing, I was on cocaine. And that's been Fake News with me. Thought we'd take a little break from the politics since we did a lot of that in fake news and uh, present another episode of Crime Song Investigation. Got Fangirl with me? Hey, Al. Okay. And, uh, of course, we need to have the uh, theme, but we need the setup up first, of course. So picture, if you will, a uh, is, is, uh, is Lily British? Yes. Okay. Uh, a young British pop star. And then picture uh, maybe a, a Swedish quartet. And uh, there's been some kind of foul play involved. And <laughs> looks like Lily Allen got the sign. All right, we're going to uh, look at two cases this week. The first one uh, we've alluded to involves uh, British singer-songwriter Lily Allen and Swedish pop group Ace of Bass. And Hannah, you want to set this up? So I was listening to Smile by Lily Allen in the car, and I was like, oh, hey, that's so weird. Ace of Bass is on the CD. <laughs> and then I realized, wait, we're listening to Lily Allen. Okay, so let's do uh, Lily Allen first here. This is uh, Smile by Lily Allen. Okay, now we will uh, bring in the uh, victim, I guess, in the crime song investigation here. This is uh, Ace of Bass with the sign. I was going to say the Lily Allen track had a little more of a reggae feel to it, but uh, this kind of does uh, too, so here we go.
I think it's a closed case. What do you think? I definitely think so. <laughs> I don't know what Lily Allen was doing with Ace of Base stuck in her head when she wrote Smile, but... Yeah, it's a big tune, man. Makes sense. <laughs> All right. So uh, I was in the car, and I was listening to my iPod. You know, you flip through your iPod, and uh, just you didn't want to hear the particular song. Well, this song uh, came up by Crash Test Dummies. It's called What I'm Famous For. So I hit the skip button and figured out I don't want to I don't feel like listen to that and then up comes Mumford. Another open and shut case, I think. I think so. Uh, the funny thing about uh, this Crash Test Dummies thing is uh, Crash Test Dummies and Mumford both very folky and. Uh, I would recommend you go back and get Crash Test Dummies' first two albums. Uh, they're probably most widely known outside of Canada, especially in the United States, and I think maybe in England, for the song Mm-mm-mm, which was like a top five hit here. And in Canada, they're known for that and for the Superman song from their first album. But uh, go buy their first album, The Ghost That Haunt Me, the second album, uh, God Shuffled His Feet, which is what Mm-mm comes from, and then maybe pick up the XTC tribute album, which has their version of uh, the Ballad of Peter Bumpkin on it, and you're good to go. I noticed in Spotify when I was gathering these that someone had done a, a best-of playlist, and the best-of playlist is all wrong. It's the first two albums, plus the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead, and then you're pretty much done but talk about a song well running dry there <laughs> all right detective uh, fangirl thanks for joining me and uh we'll see you next time on the next episode of crime song investigation Looking for a place to find unique and affordable gifts this holiday season? Head to homeshirts.com, featuring logos of gone but not forgotten brands from Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, as well as some beloved defunct sports teams from these towns. But you're saying, PF, I'm not from any of these cities. Why would I care? Well, we have national logos as well, such as National Record Mart, Woolworths, Gold Circle, uh, brands that were all over the country as well. And what would be cooler than having a t-shirt of a defunct sports team from a great Midwestern city like Cincinnati or Cleveland or so on? So what I want you to do is simply head to homeshirts.com, and you can then look at either uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or St. Louis. Use the promo code PFTR and get 20% off off. By the way, we also have some uh, nice beer shirts from uh, beer brands that were famous in these cities as well. So go to homeshirts.com, order a t-shirt, preferably from the Cleveland site because we make a few more bucks when you do it that way. But use the promo code PFTR to get 20% off any shirt on the Home Shirts website. Josh Wolf is probably best known as a panelist on the E! Entertainment Network program Chelsea Lately. He's also written for and guest starred on several sitcoms over the years, and he tours the country selling out comedy clubs throughout the year. Here now is our interview with Josh Wolf. Hey, joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it's comedian Josh Wolf. Josh, how you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, gosh, uh, hardly know where to start here. Um, I guess we'll uh, start from the beginning. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and w- did you always want to be a comedian, or was it one of those deals where people said, hey, you're pretty funny, you should be on a stage somewhere? Um, you know, the first time I ever got on stage, I was 15, so I don't know if I always wanted to be a comedian, 
but I know that I always wanted to not have a real job. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Uh, did Did you have any other career path in mind uh, apart from comedy? Um, I was going to try hooking, um, <laughs> but I can't, I can't walk in heels. Yeah, I'm not so good on about. I'm not so good at not being a wise ass. <laughs> so any kind of job where I was dealing with the public never worked out well for me because I always went for the laugh. You know what I mean? I never oh, yeah, really yeah. did the right. Yeah, well, we hear a lot of comedians like that. They get fired from regular jobs because people don't really appreciate uh, the funny at work. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, after doing stand-up, I know you have a lot of other interests as well, acting and, and things like that. So how did uh, things, after you started doing stand-up, uh, what happened after that? It was that uh, Did you pursue acting shortly after, or did you do stand-up for a while? Well, I still do both. Okay. It almost sounds like you're writing my eulogy. <laughs> uh, don't put those in the past tense. That's what I do right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do both. Yeah, well, yeah, I know you're on uh, Chelsea lately, and uh, of course you're touring stand-up, and uh, you've uh, been on several episodes of, uh, you were on uh, several episodes of Earl and a couple of Raising Hope, of course, and... Um... Yeah, I just, um, I just actually, I think my, I just shot an episode of Raising Hope, I think is, I think is airing, not this week, but next week. Okay, One great. Or two, next week or the week after, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been waiting for it to come back. Well, speaking of, um, you were a writer on that show. Are you still a writer on that show? No, 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 I, I was never a writer. I just wrote one script. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Because uh, I think somewhere I saw, like, they're on IMBD or something. It had you uh, on this three episodes, and you wrote the episode Sheer Madness, which was hilarious, yeah. by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, a... yeah, I just won. I, just, I was just on one. Okay. I, I have written for a bunch of different shows. yeah. And how did that come along? Did you uh, just were out in L.A. and started submitting specs, or did uh, they approach you and say, hey, would you like to write on our show? Oh, no, I know the guy who created Earl. Oh, and okay. Hope. You know, I know him just from working on the shows and all that stuff, and I, I just approached him with an idea, and he liked it. Oh, okay. And, but you've been in a couple of episodes of it, haven't you? Yeah, I was on three, I think, in the first season, and then I had to take a couple seasons off because I was working on Chelsea show. Yeah. And, um, and then I just came back on this year. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, so when you had the idea for the show, I guess you had been watching all the episodes since you like, we're not really in the writer's room. Was it kind of hard to get in the, the groove of what would be a good idea or did it just come pretty naturally from having seen the show? Yeah. I don't know if you pay attention and you know, you can, you can, call people and get copies of the scripts, you know? Yeah. If you pay attention and read a bunch of the scripts, you can kind of figure out what it is. Okay. And at the end of the day, you know, when you write a script for TV, um, and this is true on any show you're on, and anytime you say you see written by, the original script was written by that person. But if by the time you shoot that script, you still have five jokes in the entire script that were in the original script, You've done a good job. It changes so much that it's almost unrecognizable by the time, it, from what you hand into a shooting script. Yeah, I didn't realize that. How, I mean, I kind of knew that, you know, kind of being a TV nerd, I knew that a little bit, but I didn't realize until I started listening to, like, podcasts over the past couple of years of comedians and people who write on shows, uh, just how much that happens, and particularly... Um, 
David Feldman, of course, was probably the first one to really open my eyes to that because he was on the Roseanne writing staff, never wrote an episode, but uh, wrote a lot of jokes that appeared in the individual episodes. And yeah, so it's kind of a, uh, I guess it's kind of a big, um, someone brings the idea, but everybody kind of like throws their jokes on top of it or uh, they kind of bat things well, no, back and I mean, forth. You, or is that you basically, there's, there's a writing staff, so there's a certain amount of people, so everybody gets assigned a certain amount of scripts. Yeah. The season, you know, and so you kind of break it down and it goes in okay. rotation. And then you know, um, you know what scripts you have, you know, weeks out. And it, it goes like that. Generally, just because you think of the idea doesn't mean it's going to be your script. Okay. I see. Yeah. Um, so what other shows have you written for? Well, I wrote for Yes Dear, and um, I wrote for a while. I wrote for, I was just writing on, on uh, predominantly black shows for UPN. I wrote on a show called All of Us, which was Will Smith's yeah. show. And yeah. I wrote on a TV show called Cuts, and... Uh, and I've written and sold uh, three of my own pilots. Okay, yeah, I, I uh, heard you have one that's uh, going to be coming out shortly or is, is going to be going to production soon? No, 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 that was uh, last season. It's dead, but it, it was fun. Okay. All right, but that's, that, that, that's got to be tough, uh, you know, going all that way and then just, you know, and just to have them say, eh. Uh... No, it's not. You know, it's, it's, I guess when I was younger, it was harder, but it's part of the deal. You know what I mean? You, especially in this town, you know, it's nice to be asked to dance. You just got to keep plugging. And out of, you know, the 250 scripts that are bought every season, you know, 40 are made. And out of those yeah. 40, eight make the air. So, you know, you just got to keep plugging. So, do you like the fact that you get to kind of uh, exercise a different comedy muscle when uh, you're writing a sitcom script versus, say, doing your stand-up? Or do you kind of, like, approach, does all your humor kind of go through the same prism and process? Uh, you know, when I do my stand-up, I don't ever sit and write. It's all on stage. Um, I don't do that writing very well. I find that under the pressure of having to be funny... I come up with funnier things, uh, but I'll go on stage with premises, so it's a completely different process. For me, it is, for me. And would like when you're on the panel with Chelsea, is that kind of closer to stand-up where you're kind of like doing a little more off the cuff, or maybe do you, do you come with a couple things to talk about, or how does that work? Uh, it's a combination. You know, I come, I know what the topics are about an hour and a half at a time, and then I have an idea of what my opinion is and what I could say. But I never stick to a joke um, if it doesn't add to the flow of the conversation. So if, if two people have said something in front of me and it's kind of taking it away from the topic a little bit, I won't stick to my joke just to have my joke if okay. it kind of flow, messes up the conversation. Because to me, the best um, episodes of her show are the ones where that roundtable looks like a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you're still doing that? You're you're still on on Chelsea? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I only ask because I don't have cable anymore, so <laughs> I don't get to see it too much. Um, we we cut the cord. I understand that. Yeah, I understand. Yep. So, um, a, a little interesting uh, bit of trivia. Your your cousin is Scott Wolf. He is. Yeah, yeah he lives in Alba he lives uh, 
a street a street over from me. If you climb my backyard oh. and go one house to the right, he's right there. So growing up, did you guys kind of share an interest in show business or acting or things like that, or was it just kind of serendipitous that you both ended up being in the well, same business? Well, growing up, he lived in Jersey and I lived in Massachusetts. Okay. But, um, but we both moved out here at about the same time. Oh, okay. All right. So, you know, we lived together for about two years and... Um, yeah, it's been good. I mean, we're one sibling away from being the Baldwins. <laughs> we just need to find one more talented sibling. Oh, there, <laughs> there you go. And so, um, what would be your kind of your ultimate uh, gig? You know, as far as uh, using your comedy or just your your creative ability uh, as a whole? Is there you know, like is it a, a is it a feature film, TV series, talk show? What uh, what would really jazz you? Uh, I, I think it changes a little bit for me as the years go by, you know. I like to I like to keep it fresh so you stay interested. I would love to do a talk show, um, you know, and I had the opportunity to do that when I hosted, um, I hosted something called Shark After Dark for Discovery Channel. I did that for a week, and it was an hour, a night of live TV, live talk show, which I loved. And then a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea let me host her show when she was out of town, and so I really like doing that. Cool. Um, so when you're on stage doing stand-up, what kind of things are you talking about these days? Uh, it's life. I'm a storyteller. Okay. Um, so it's just my life. Whatever's, whatever's happening with me in my little brain. Oh, so it's stuff from the past, present, uh, all-inclusive? Yep, all-inclusive. Uh entertainment or politics uh, anything like that mm, I don't do too much entertainment stuff um, and I think the politics should generally for me that's not my thing like I don't think yeah. you can do a little politics if you're a political act you're a political act I do some social stuff okay um, but that is you know it's just my opinions on them okay uh, like what sorts of things uh, things like opinions on legalizing marijuana and and opinions on, you know, uh, on a gay marriage and just things that are in the news a little bit. But, and here's the thing. I don't hard line either way. Sure. It's more, jo- it's more jokes about the topic, you know? Okay. I, I try, I try uh, my opinion on both are definitely in the jokes but you know i'm not alienating anybody one way or the other really okay so it's how does that stuff go over do you ever censors kind of the rooms going one way or the other i think on those topics probably you're pretty safe uh, but not with the weed topic with the gay marriage topic i've you know i've walked some people before wow hmm that's still surprising in this in this day and age does that surprise you or do you think like well it's you no, know it's a, i mean i travel around a lot so yeah. you know um, and it's a hot button issue. So anytime, anytime you're talking about something that is so important to some people for different reasons, you yeah. know, different sides for different reasons, that even if you're not, uh, th- th- that it's gonna, you, you run the risk of offending somebody. Yeah. And that's okay. Okay. Um, so when you're building stories, do, you, do they uh, like get added to over time? Because you said you like to work a lot on stage. Uh, do you add stuff to them over time as things occur to you, or do you kind of are they nightly? What's that? Nightly. I try it nightly. Okay. I mean, the, the story is 
85 percent the same every night but i'll try something different every night okay and will that maybe you're walking around town maybe say you're in minneapolis and you know you'll see something will that occur to you and you kind of relate it to a story and maybe that'll be a uh, add an extra tag do something you're going to talk about that night no it really happens on stage oh really just right in the moment It'll happen on stage for a different punchline or maybe to tweak the story in a different direction. So, yeah, it happens right on stage. Hmm. And, and do you find, since you've been doing it uh, for as long as you have, that you kind of just automatically just start uh, thinking that way even off stage, Or is that just kind of a, you're on, you have a stage mind and then you're, you know, you're thinking differently off stage? Well, yeah, I'm definitely not a comedian who's on all the time. That is not my thing. Um... You know, you have that stereotypical idea of what a comic is, and he's telling jokes no matter what, and, you know, and yeah. there's that there's that old joke about, you know, most comedians, when you open the refrigerator, they do five minutes because the light turns on, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, that's not my thing. And I, to me, it's really annoying. Yeah, that's yeah. So for me, I, I'm off, you know, I, I'm, it's not that I'm not funny off stage. I just don't have to be funny all the time. I don't feel that pressure. Yeah, you can just be conversationally funny, and it's and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and sometimes that's a relief, I suppose. Very much. As a matter of fact, I I enjoy being at a party or at a table or where there are funny people there, so I can just sit and laugh. And so, do you ever like feel any when people find out you're a comedian? Because I know a lot of people that'll say. Uh, a couple of folks I've talked to in the past couple of weeks will be like, you know, the, the last thing I tell people is that what I do for a living, if I can at all avoid it, because then they're all of a sudden, they want you to start working for them right there on the spot. All the time. The worst is when you have to give a toast. Ah, oh, geez. Because everybody knows you're a comic, and that's probably why they asked you to give the toast. Ah. So they're expecting the toast to be that much better when if it was if you had just given a toast and nobody knew you were a comic, people would be like, "That was a good toast." But if you don't nail it as a comic, <laughs> ugh, people are like, "Not that funny." How do you <laughs> give a toast at a wedding? He's not that funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Huh? People pay to see that guy. <laughs> exactly. So, what kind of things do you find funny uh, off stage? Oh, I like stupid juvenile humor. I like seeing people fall. I like people slipping on the ice. Um, I could watch right in the nuts videos, basically back to back to back to back, and laugh. Um, yeah, yeah, I like stupid stuff. You know, I I, I grew up with three older brothers. Aha. Uh-huh. So I don't think that the humor ever left me. Hmm. And what do your brothers do for a living? Boring shit. Really? Yeah. Doctoring and lawyering and things like that. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, no, they're they're all out here doing different things. Oh, okay. Nothing in the business. Stuff. Are they pretty funny guys? As uh, you know, as guys in, uh, in in regular jobs go. Yeah, no, no, they're definitely all funny guys. And one of the reasons I don't look, I don't. It's not my business. Where I know it sounds weird, but I wouldn't tell you what they did because they're not here, and it's not my okay. business. Okay, well that's fine. I don't know. If, I don't know if they want me telling. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, that's fine. In in a weird way. Not in a weird way. I'm a pretty private person. It's odd to be a private person in the job that I have. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'll answer any question you have about me. I try to okay. keep everybody at periphery for me um, as anonymous as possible. Yeah. Well, there's that, even yourself, I'm sure there's that fine line between, well, no, that's, you know, person. I've interviewed, you know, particularly musicians. 
more so even than comics that'll say like, well, I don't see what that has to do with with making music. And you know, someone told me that once, and uh, I'll tell you, it was it was Peter Murphy, and uh, I was kind of like thinking, well, because I, I think that'd be part of what inspires your music, but what what do I know? <laughs> so, but well, for me, I, I'm I'm okay with asking personal questions because a lot of that, you know, colors who I am, which colors my comedy. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I understand being a, a public figure, so questions about me are pretty fair game. It, you know, there's if you ask me a question about my brothers and my family, and there's no reason for that really. Um, the only thing you need to know about my family is in my act. You know what I mean? And okay. Of that, that, well, there you that, go. That, yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of my family stuff in the in my act. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, that's cool. And do, do they mind, or they are they very happy to get the exposure? No, well, my son asked me, you know, there's one story that's embarrassing, and he said, do you have to tell that story? And I said, do you like those new shoes? <laughs> if you like the new shoes, then yes, I have to continue to tell the story. <laughs> that's pretty cool. All right, man, so uh, what's up next for you in the short term? I know you're you know, still doing Chelsea, of course, and uh, uh, what, what projects do you have coming up? Well, just right now, uh, touring. You know, doing some writing, trying to prepare for upcoming pilot season, and then, uh, you know, hit the ground running at the beginning of the year. Cool. Got some uh, good ideas you're excited about, or are you still kind of knocking things around? Yeah, I got some ideas I'm excited about. I don't jinx anything, but, you know, uh, uh, there's a couple of them uh, I think are pretty promising. Cool, man. All right. Well, if... Uh if the episode you uh, worked on of uh, Raising Hope is any indication, we've got a lot to look forward to. I appreciate that very much. Um, is, is all your stuff, do you think, similar in that kind of vein, or do you, when you're writing for different shows and stuff, do you, uh, you, know, do you like to try maybe different things and maybe uh, because there are different kinds of sitcoms? Yeah, no, no, no. I was writing specifically for that show, so I think if I was going to write something on my own, it wouldn't be that. I mean, the guy who created... Pope is also the guy who created Earl, and yep. he, he's got a very specific sense of humor, which is hilarious. Yes, uh, I wish I was that funny, but so yeah, that's not my, that's not really my niche, but uh, but hopefully it's still funny. Yeah, and, and very difficult uh, to nail. Uh, we're talking about Greg Garcia, of course. Um, it, it's a fine line between drawing humor out of, uh, I guess, what you would call, you know, working class people and and, and regular folk, and and making fun of, which this, the, neither of those shows does. It you know it derives the humor out of them being in certain situations, and uh, he, yeah. he he does it very well. Yeah. Um, well, he's a master at it. He's a master at it. Cool. Well, uh, looking forward to uh, your stuff then. Uh, again, uh, good luck uh, with that and have a fun time in Minneapolis. Oh, before I let you go, could you do a liner for me real quick? Yeah. Like, anything along the lines of, hi, this is Josh Wolf, and you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. P.S. Tape Recorder? Yep. Yep. Anytime? Yep. Hey, this is Josh Wolf, and you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Perfect, man. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time, especially on such short notice, and uh, and uh, really appreciate it. You got it, man. All right, Josh. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Later. Thanks again to Josh Wolf for being on the show. You can find all things Josh Wolf at comedianjoshwolf.com. 
Chelsea.com. You can catch him regularly on Chelsea Lately, of course, occasionally guest hosting uh, for Chelsea and, of course, touring comedy clubs around the country. He's on tour through November. Again, just go to ComedianJoshWolf.com for all the info you need about Josh. Okay, not going to bore you with the credits. You can go back and listen to an old episode for those. Instead, what I'm going to do now is tell you about Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings, uh, kind of our de facto house band. They are entered in a contest by, uh, from Fiat USA, and if you go to Fiat USA's Facebook page, there's a tab right under the banner. It's called uh, the Fiat Brand Prix, and apparently they're looking for uh, some bands that can win some prizes and appear on VH1. Uh, what you need to do is just go there and vote for Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. Uh, the easiest way to find it is on the left-hand side, click on Subgenre, and then uh, go to Page 4. And it'll be under, under Americana. They have four votes right now, which doesn't sound like a lot, but all the people around them have like one, two, three, and maybe six votes. Only one band I saw so far scrolling through this had like 29 votes. And they take the top 10 in each genre. So uh, do that. We'll link to it from the Podbean page. Uh, otherwise, just go to Fiat USA and you can find it very easily. The song that uh, Andy Hawk has entered in that contest is uh, from their album that was released this past summer called Sorta Kinda Maybe, and the track they have submitted to the Brand Prix is Strawberry Smile. That's going to take us out of this week's show. This is Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Yeah.